This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles. And Greg, let's start with the obvious question. What the hell was that on Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, um, considering the situation and that they they had lost two games coming into it, uh, some of which you could have made uh, excuses about, you know, new, no Newton in Kansas City, um, no practice before Denver, all that, and they come out against the 49ers. You know, not exactly uh, – they're not exactly in the state of being the uh, defending NFC champions at the moment. Right. And the Patriots got waxed. Um, that's Under those circumstances, I'm, I understand why it's tough for fans to – really comprehend it, uh, to not be angry and frustrated. They should be, um, absolutely. But I do think, hopefully, I mean, look, look I, I, a lot of what I'm going to be saying today on this pod is going to be a little bit of uh, hope and a little bit of uh, optimism because okay. I really don't have any other choice. But <laughs> things like Sunday do happen in the National Football League. Right. They do happen to the Patriots. They usually have a stinker at some point. We thought it was the Denver game. Um, it, it, it went lower in this one. Uh, but in general, what happened? In general, what happened was Kyle Shanahan took Bill Belichick over his knee and was merciless in the spanking that he delivered Belichick's baby on defense. Uh, the Patriots just were in, completely in. I, I was more... I was more surprised at how inept they were on defense than they were on offense. Yeah. I actually, the first couple drives of the second half, I actually, I was actually a little bit optimistic after watching it. They actually strung together four, five, six successful plays in a row without a grenade going off. And so I saw signs of, okay, there's something there. The running game was pretty good throughout. Uh, just every time in the first half they tried to pass, it was it it was a disaster again. But defensively, Kyle Shanahan, who is one of the best game planners and strategists in this league offensively, especially in the running game, took he saw he saw through what Bill Belichick's been trying to do, and you and I have been talking about it for weeks. The lollipop guild, the Lilliputians out there for the yep. Patriots because they don't have any linebackers. They don't have any defensive linemen. And what Bel- Bill Belichick had done up to this point is basically try to create an illusion to fool lesser offensive coordinators and coaches into, into throwing into the strength of his team. The whole strength of this team, and you can make an argument about the offensive line when it's healthy, is the secondary. So what Bill Belichick, everything he's trying to do – whether it's get a lead, play ball control, um, the the number of people he puts in the box, the pressure he puts, all of that is orchestrated to get a quarterback who is going to make mistakes, throw into his secondary that's going to turn those mistakes into turnovers and give his offense more chance. Kyle Shanahan saw right through all of that. He said, I don't care how many guys you put in the box. I know it's Adrian Phillips and Terrence Brooks and – this small guy and that small guy and linebackers who can't run sideline to sideline or hold up in the middle of the field. And Kyle Shanahan said, go ahead, do that 
I'm still going to run it down your throat. I'm going to run it down your throat 18 different ways from the outside to the inside to this way and that way. I'm going to throw once in a while, and I'm going to throw on Stefan Gilmore against uh, George Kittle's going to own Stefan Gilmore. And you're not going to stop me all day long. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, I was watching this game, and I thought the first drive for San Francisco was a microcosm of the entire game. You've got a chance to, on third down, get them off the field. You have Jawan Bentley one-on-one with Jimmy Garoppolo, and dude can't wrap him up and take him down. And then you have (laughs) Bentley on a – I guess it was a miscommunication, that swing pass Debo Samuel – Bentley trying to cover for Jonathan Jones, I guess. And, you know, he's not fast enough. Just the the unathletic linebacker position with Bentley out there just showed itself over and over and over again. And we know that this team is thin at linebacker. You hope that Jennings figures it out. You hope that Uche gets on the field and does something. But aside from those two things happening, it is a vast wasteland in the middle of this defense. And we've known it from the very beginning. We've talked about it, Greg, you and I that they got to play seven defensive backs, six defensive backs are playing sub packages constantly, nickel, dime. They don't want to put guys out there and expose them. And, you know, Shanahan ate it up. He ate it up and he spit it out. And they had absolutely zero answer to what Shanahan was going to do. Of course, the other part of this game that was a major, major concern, last week against Denver, you look at it, you'd say, okay, the circumstances. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. I I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt with all the craziness that was happening, the lack of practicing, all that stuff, right? Benefit of the doubt against Denver. Cam wasn't good whatsoever. You hoped to see some progress, at least a sliver of progress. We didn't see that from Cam. What's going on? Yeah, it's a great question. One more thing on the on the defense that I wanted to point out. The, the this is when you knew it was over. When, when the Niners, before the end of the first half, when they ran 16 yards and some guy named Jeffrey Wilson, who, <laughs> mind you, was a college free agent in 2018. Yeah, it looked like Bo Jackson. He, he did throughout the game. But he ran 16 yards untouched. Untouched. 16 yards into the end zone. That was one of the most embarrassing run, displays of run defense Hideous. I have ever seen in my life. Hideous. And so I just had to get that off my chest. But Cam. Uh, speaking of um, insulting things to watch, um, Cam, <clears throat> he was still in the same area that we saw him last week. Uh, he He's missing open plays. It was all over uh, the first half. He it, When he it does come to a right decision, he's late with stuff. The interception, uh, the first one, the, the force was just – you know, a dumb mistake that he just should have quickly was there were really only two options on the play. He just should have went, all right, that's not open. That's not open. I run. And then I don't know what he was trying to do. He could have, if he was going to throw to Myers there, it had to be to the sideline and late as Myers did put up his hand at one point running across the field. I saw that on the coach's film, but it's, it's, it's the same stuff. He's not, he's not trusting his eyes. He is not taking the coaching from the practice field now that he's actually been on it and applying it to the field. You also have mechanical breakdowns, uh, you know, like the out to Jacoby, uh, to, to Jameer Bird on yep. third down. That was yep. right there. He doesn't step into it. It's just right now Cam Newton's a mess. He, he just is. And I think, I think whatever happened that, the, you know, the COVID thing, I don't think that he actually had it. He was asymptomatic. I know everybody wants to say, oh, he's in a COVID fog and this and that. Well, first of all, 
he was doing some of these same things against the Raiders in that win before all of this. Second of all, he didn't have any symptoms. And, and I don't see I don't see any difference in his game. He's still snapping off throws. It's not physical. He yes, he's not throwing to his right for the first uh two weeks in a row. I don't know what that's about. But in general, he's just not playing well. And I think the the, the only place Josh McDaniels has to go to to start this and some of it he talked about it today is they just have to find the place that they can execute that cam's going to throw it to the right spot yep that when they say all right cam here's what you do throw it like that you know there's a bang action to Nikhil harry or a bang action here he's got to throw it on bang he can't wait he can't look around he's got to do it because that's the way the passing game is timed up and right now he's not doing anything right yeah i mean he's not reading the progressions and no. you know, the first thing I said to myself after watching that game was make it as simple as you can. And maybe they've tried to do that, but if they've tried to do that, make it even more simple. You know, if, yep. if it's, if it's, Hey, this guy's running the slant, hit him. All right. We're going to run a bubble screen, hit him. Okay. Running back screen, hit him. All those simple little out routes, all those little things. If it's dink and dunk for a little while until he gets his confidence, fine. What's really strange, Greg, to me, and I was tweeting this on Sunday. I've watched Cam Newton play for nine years. I know he's not very good from the pocket. I know he's yep. inaccurate. Aside from 2018 in the first half of that season with North Turner, you know, he's hovered around 60% completion percentage. So he's not a pocket passer extraordinaire. I understand that. I get that. That's already baked in. The issue that I have is this guy doesn't look like he's ever played football. He literally looked like a duck out of water on Sunday. He looked lost when he could run. He decided to hold on to the football when he, you know, when he doesn't have to run and has guys wide open, he's trying to run the football after holding on to it for five seconds. He looks like he's never played before. It's yeah. one of the strangest things. And, and to me, the ultimate question is, is this the beginning of the end for this guy? Or is this temporary discomfort with the system and what's going on? Because I don't remember. And maybe you do. I don't remember. And listen, Cam is not a top five quarterback, right? He had a top five season in 2015 when he won the MVP. But he's been a top 10 to 12 quarterback when he's healthy. So yep. this is either a top 10 to 12 quarterback at 31 years old, completely falling off the cliff, or it's temporary discomfort. I don't know which one it is. I'm going to lean towards the latter because I haven't seen many guys who are considered top 10 quarterbacks fall off the cliff like he would be falling off of it right now at the age of 31. Yeah, I, I don't think I, – I, Nick, I just think we're dealing with a, a player, and we've seen this, whether it's football or other sports. He's gripping the wheel too tight. Like, the, he's pressing, and he even talked about it after the game. He said, you know, it's he, he used words like, it's mental, it's uh, I'm pressing, yep. things like that. He is. He's trying to – he is he is lost, and he's trying to find something to grab onto. Um, he's second-guessing everything that he's doing. Players go through this. I mean, I, I can't recall Tom Brady ever going through it, and he's probably the exception to the rule. But that that that's what I see in terms of Cam. I don't think he suddenly, after the Seahawks game, when everybody was talking about like, okay, well, he has, he should get a contract extension. He's an MVP candidate. All this yeah. stuff. He he just didn't fall to bum status. Like right, you know, he's not suddenly Ryan Mallett or anything like that. So. They have to figure out, all right, how do we get him back on track? And I think it's some of the things that you mentioned. They're going to have to walk before they can crawl. That's why I think I think the drives in the second half, you know, before his interception off Edelman's hands, 
I thought those were really productive drives. And I know some people were like, why are they running the ball and doing this? Look, I think Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels knew that the way the defense was playing, they had no chance to win that game. What they did have a chance to do in the second half was get some momentum going offensively. Like, let's crawl before we can walk. Let's get Damian Harris going. Let's throw some screen passes. Let's do this and that. And I thought I thought it was successful for the most part. I mean, you know, the first drive, they go down. And right up until Cam took a ba- bad sack at the 21, that was a bad sack. They end up having to get, get a field goal. Then they come back down. They're at the San Francisco 34, and he presses again and sort of has a brain fart. So at least – they, you know, we're talking multiple plays, so they were doing some good things, but I think that's that's where it starts. And I also think, Nick, um, what a lot of people aren't considering is that the Patriots just played, or at least Newton just played three teams that uh, are unfamiliar opponents for the Patriots. So he didn't play well against the Raiders, the Broncos, and um, the the 49ers. So those are all uncommon opponents for the Patriots coaches. That's not an excuse, but it's it's a little bit harder because you don't know them as well to game plan, even though I'm, I was a little bit dismayed by the 49ers because it's a similar defense to Seattle and be that as it may. That's why I think this week against the Bills is so important. Not only is it the Bills, they're getting back into the division which for everybody associated with the Patriots, it's in their wheelhouse. They own Sean McDermott's bills. They they know exactly what to do. They know Kyle Allen. They know – and here's here's the other big thing. Sean McDermott was Cam Newton's off uh, defensive coordinator in Carolina for six seasons. Hmm. Cam's gone against this defense. He's gone against – Josh Norman was his teammate. Like, this is now back home week for the Patriots. So – Yes, it's been really crappy up until this point, but it all comes down to the division now. They win this game against a familiar opponent and scheme. They're all of a sudden one game back in the loss column. The season is back on. They got the Jets the week after that. All of a sudden, you have two games. You're building momentum. Yeah, you have Baltimore, but who the hell knows? Stranger things have happened, and now all of a sudden, the season is a lot different. Yeah, I agree with you. I tweeted this out the other day. I think it was yesterday. I tweeted... Like, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I'm not going to fire this team or Cam into the sun until I see Sunday's game. Popular. You, <laughs> have to, you, you, have to, you have to scream and yell, and it's over. And <laughs> hey, I miss Tom, and Bill was, Bill was wrong. Tom was right. Like, you have to do all that crap after one loss. People just, Nick, I, I understand it. I understand the fanaticism. Like, yeah. the, the term fan comes from fanatic. But, and I don't know if it's because we're all cooped up more, but this year seems more odd than ever where people every week, they're like, oh, wait, so it's wait. Been waiting. It's because they've been waiting for it, Greg. It's it's the people that have been waiting to say, oh, Brady should have stayed here, and now Brady's in Tampa, and Belichick got Brady out of town, and et cetera, et cetera. They've been waiting to pounce, and after one of the worst games that we've seen from this team in two decades, that is the perfect time to pounce. So – so wait, I'm supposed to say that Tom and everybody was right after they just ripped through the Packers and the Raiders defenses, which are two of the worst 
in the league, and and plus the Bucks defense gave up 15 points. Like, I like don't people like learn from like week to league? Didn't they learn from after week four? Oh well, the Bills were just the greatest thing ever, and Josh Allen was MVP. How do he do the past two weeks? Like people just need to relax. Like this season more than any other is just completely schizophrenic, where you don't know what you're going to get from from week to week. I mean. The Bucs have the, the the Giants this week, so they'll win that game. So I guess it's the greatest thing ever. Look, the Patriots are going through a skid. We knew that the beginning of the season was going to be a challenge for them. I had them starting the season four and six and still winning the division. And it's still there in front of them. I just think people need to they, – they just need to take a beat. Like, it's not – yes, it doesn't look like years pass. It's not going to be 14-2. and two, But there are other ways to skin a cat in the NFL. I think there are things, you know, you you watch this season play out. I, I always try to take the big picture approach, especially through the first two months or so of an NFL season. And when you look at this team, I understand it was bad against Denver. I do think those were mitigating circumstances. I think if you had normal circumstances, they likely win that game. But, hey, all right, they lost it. They lost it. Fine. That's what's on the record. That's what happened, right? And then last week, there's no defense of that. It's a dumpster fire. We all saw it. We all understand it. And I believe that you can criticize a team on a given week and not give up and say the season is over. Some people cannot calculate that. Some people need to say one or the other, it's black or white, plant the flag in the ground week six or week seven. That's how I feel about the team. Nothing's going to change. It's over. I've seen it. It's bad. I'm moving on. If they want to do that, fine. I like to take more data in. I like to watch the game and say, okay, well, Is there any kind of progression here? And when I look at the big picture, honestly, you've had what? You've had, I'd say from Cam, you know, two good games. And actually, I'd say two and a half good games, two and a half bad games, if that makes sense. Like the way I look at his season, I I say that he was good against Miami, especially that it was the first week of the year. And he's he's just getting his legs underneath him after being out since week two of 2019. So I say that's a good week. Seattle was obviously his best game of the season so far. The Raiders, I thought in the first half he wasn't good. I thought in the second half he got better. Was he great? No, but he got better. So I think he's had two and a half good games, and I think he's had two and a half bad games. The first half against Vegas, and then the last two times out against Denver, and now against San Francisco. So, you know, big picture, he's pretty much split his season 50-50. It's all about whether or not they can get this thing back on schedule. And if he gets some kind of comfort from you know doing things simple like we're talking about. Another issue, Greg, we talked about this at the beginning of the season. This offense is going to be useless unless they can run the football. And against Denver, they couldn't run. And again on Sunday, they could not run the football. That's going to be a problem. They need to establish the run. And one question I have for you, because I know he's on your hot list this week, can we stop with the 50-50 with Burkhead and Harris? Can can we just run Damian Harris? Can we give that guy 20 touches and see what he can do? I understand that Bill Belichick has a love affair with Rex Burkhead. He, he cannot get away from sexy Rexy. I get it. Mm-hmm. But Harris, I think, is the future at running back for this team. Every time he plays and is given at least some kind of consistent touches, he produces. Give him 20 touches. Let him be the guy. Yeah, and I think he if there's any week, I hope it's going to be this week because another reason why the Bills are a really good matchup for this Patriots team is because the Bills can't stop the run to save their lives. Like this is the yep. perfect opponent for the Patriots um, from they can't stop the run, plus they know what they're going to get coverage-wise. 
from the Bills. And I agree. I thought I thought the more Harris plays, the more dangerous he looks. I mean, I every time he touches the ball, you think he's going to get six to ten yards. And if he gets a crease, he could take it to the house. Where Sony, you're lucky if you know you get two yards, maybe a maximum of six. And if he gets lucky, if there's a hole the size of the Grand Canyon, like he might get 30 yards. Um, so I agree with you. I want to see, I want to see more, uh, I want to see more Harris. And I think, you know, hopefully for the Patriots sake, like this is a get well game for them in a lot of different ways. And and plus you have a quarterback on the other side and Josh Allen, who yes, he's dangerous athletically. And they're going to have to account for that because the Patriots have always had issues with that. But if they can keep him contained and make him throw the ball, he is a guy who's going to make mistakes, not only throwing, but when you pressure him, he is very loose with the ball, and he's just a turnover waiting to happen. Another guy that you have on your hot list is Jacoby Myers, and he comes in after, I thought, Cam, that was somewhat of a hospital ball, middle of the field. He, he pretty much set up Nikhil Harry to take a vicious, vicious shot. It was late. It was another throw that was late. It should yeah, have been it, earlier. It would have given Nikhil a, a, a chance to, to see the defense and also make some yak on the play. It was late. Yeah, so I, I thought that's all on Cam, and unfortunately, Harry ends up, uh, I would guess, with a concussion. He was out of the game for the rest of the way, but Jacoby Myers comes in, silver lining. Myers played pretty well, Greg. Yeah, I thought I thought Jacoby was great, and I think I think this is a type of game that would um, get the coaching coaching staff to notice, like, oh, yeah, you know what? Jacoby, when he plays, you know, he doesn't look like much. He looks like he's... Um, going to junior high school down. Uh, he's going to Foxborough <laughs> Junior High when you see him in the hallways. But you know, he's actually a pretty damn good football player, and he knows how to run routes. He's smart. He's quick. He's got great hands. He catches contested passes. What's not to like? And like maybe this Nikhil Harry injury, because I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon. Um, given his history uh apparently he had a lot of concussions in high school yeah you know give give jacoby a chance like you know can we get you know in, in this political age can we go you know a harris myers ticket um you know for the rest of 2020 to sort of get the patriots you know to a new place a better place yeah i mean i, I wouldn't mind seeing myers out there I, I wouldn't mind seeing gunner out of the slot a decent amount i wouldn't mind trying to get you know, Dalton Keene or Asiasi going, whichever one is out there. And I'm not saying force feed him the football, but, you know, try to run some plays for him. My buddy Andy Hart always mentions this, and I think he's right. You know, before the Harry injury, run some plays for Harry. You know, get him the football. Get it in his hands and get that kind of momentum and rhythm for him to get going. I thought they tried to do that on the first drive, right? I think it was the second play of the game, right to Harry for a first down. And those are the kinds of things you've got to build slowly. And it really stinks because I thought before the Denver game, we talked about this, Harry was showing signs of improvement. He was. Now, it was a steady, slow progression, but he was getting better. He was making some plays. He was breaking some tackles. He was showing some elusiveness, and you felt like, okay, baby steps, but he's getting better. And then since that Denver game to go right along with Cam, if Cam's not going, Harry's not going, and now he has the concussion. So he's, he falls yeah. right back. One thing on that, like I think, Nick, I think you're right in many respects, but I do think that the coaching staff, from the way that they have used him, at a certain point they realize, you know what, this, what we thought Nikhil Harry was going to be, this guy, you know, we'll use him on end arounds, we'll do this. He'd be like sort of like 
a little bit slower but more powerful Cordero Patterson type yeah. of receiver. I think at some point very early on, maybe that first swing pass uh, in the opener against the Dolphins when he got trucked by a cornerback, <laughs> I think the coaches just realized, you know what? He ain't that guy. You know, when we were scouting Arizona State, um, I think we thought we were getting Ayuk, and we actually drafted Nikhil Harry because Ayuk is everything that you thought Nikhil Harry was going to be, and, and it just isn't. I mean, that guy is a beast all over the field with the ball in his hands, and Harry just isn't. And I think the Patriots, the coaching staff has realized that, and they basically are like, okay, he is just a power forward receiver. That's all he's going to be, and I think that's reflected in his usage so far. You know, I just think when we look at this offense, and I, I said this uh, last week on EEI, it, it, we got to start trying to figure out the process here. And you and I have talked about this before, but it, it's rather obvious that on the offensive side of the football, the Patriots have struggled evaluating players. It's it's as simple as that. Mohamed Sanu, the second-round pick for him, the Harry pick. You can go on and on. Sony Michelle with a first-round pick. They've invested. They, they've tried to invest in the offense. They really have. The problem is they've swung and missed. You know, it's not that they're not – uh, shopping. It's the fact that the groceries they bring back, the groceries they walk out the store with are, you know, not the name brands. They're the knockoff brands. And, you know, something, is it Casario not pushing back on Belichick enough? Is it McDaniels, yes. is it McDaniels not having enough of a voice behind closed no. doors for the offense? Uh, what is the process? Because to me, right now, offensively, looking at it over the last four to five years, it seems to be broken and something needs to change. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a it's a few different things from people that I've talked about. Number one, yes, Casario does not push back on Bill enough. Um, there were some indications of that uh, for a few years, but it's become it's come home to roost in the past few, where people in the building just feel like Nick is not a strong enough counter voice to Bill to be like, all right, well, Bill, let's not do that. Like, let's let's do this. Let's stick to our plan. Let's not dra- spend our first three draft picks on defenders. When we talked about we're going to get an impact player at tight end or whatnot early in the draft, let's stick to that plan. Let's not just junk it because you want to default uh, to defense. And I think there's another aspect of this. I think, you know, Belichick at one point, I think it was reported that he told one of his, uh, maybe it was Saban, one of his college coaching buddies, that he said, you know what, the older I get, the more I just want to coach guys that I enjoy coaching. Um, Yeah. That is great and all, but you're leaving a lot of talented players off the list. I mean, what about the guys who are talented? Maybe a little bit of a pain in the ass, but they mature or you can shape them once you bring them into the building, like that type of thing. I think, I think you know, Sony Michelle, hell, I'll tell you, Sony Michelle is a dynamite young man and a, a, a type of guy that you'd, you'd like to be your buddy and hang out with. But you know what? I, I Sometimes you want the a-hole on your team. <laughs> sometimes the a-hole is good to have. It gives an attitude. It gives you talent. And I think that I think that there's – you look across the board as far as, uh, you know, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, linebackers, player, places where you have attitude with talent. There's a talent deficiency there. And it's time for them to go get more talent and then figure out the other stuff later. Yeah, one more thing I wanted to hit before we get to the uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day, the linebacker issue. I mean, we touched on it a little bit earlier in this episode. 
But is it at the point now, Greg, where just throw Uche and Jennings out there to see if they sink or swim? Is it to the point where just take the linebackers off the field even more and just play defensive backs because you know that that position just isn't talented enough? What do you do if you're Belichick over the next three or four weeks at that position? I don't know. I, the short answer is I don't know because uh, Bentley and Jennings were awful in this game. They were just – they were horrendous. They they were in the wrong places. They couldn't set edges. They couldn't take on blocks. They were in the wrong places. Like Kyle Shanahan basically, you know, not only was he not afraid when the Patriots put numbers in the box, but it seemed like he was like – he watched the film and he said, you know what, their linebackers suck. So we're yeah. just gonna we're just gonna toy the, with them all game long, and that's what they did. And Jennings was making mental mistake after mental mistake. I don't know how much he's going to see the field after this, and and he's the guy who actually earned the trust of the coaching staff more than Uche did before he uh, got hurt. And we'll have to see if he's even activated this week. Uh, the clock is still running on him. Uh, I mean, it should it wouldn't hurt, and he certainly has speed. Uh, he's a little bit undersized, so he might get trucked in the running game. But I think the Bills are one of these teams that uh, they, they'll get undisciplined. They'll wanna they'll wanna make their throws with Josh Allen, and and so they won't be as disciplined as Kyle Shanahan. So maybe this is a good week to get Uche in there. But right now, now Brandon Copeland tours Peck. I mean, yeah. as I said at the time when I, I tweeted at the time, I said. So they've gone from zero linebackers to zero linebackers. Um, that, that's <laughs> basically Copeland. where they are at this point. Yeah, it's it's bad. BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Check them out over at BSJ. 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, and of course you are listening to this podcast, then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coaches' film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, the question of the day comes from Cano58. What's up with Winovich? Is he in Bill's doghouse? Yeah, it's a good question. And I was just looking back at my other game charts uh, to see if there were any glaring. I don't remember anything glaring with Winovich, but I wanted to look because basically it's this. Um, I know it was shown on uh, on the TV that, you know, he got that penalty when Garoppolo acted and he he was talking with Bill on the sideline yeah um Belichick said that didn't have anything to do with anything look he was a sub even before that he was a sub sub rusher in that game he was just a specific package guy he has gone from everyday linebacker or every down linebacker uh to a to a one down linebacker where he was as a rookie and there's no other reason for that than something they didn't like on film. I was just looking back because it really started after the KC game. And uh, I I don't really – I don't I, – I have them for a minus on pass coverage in that game, and that might have been uh, him not sticking with a back out of the backfield like he should have. Winovich does a lot of undisciplined crap. Um Oh, I'm looking back at the Raiders game. There was an edge that he messed up for 23 yards. He also had a missed tackle. He did have a productive game in that game, and as same with the other one. But, uh, you know, look, the Patriots have a at one spot where they have a lot of options. It's on it's on the edge, you know, whether it's John Simon or Shalit Calhoun or Derek Rivers, who I thought, I thought Rivers played really well in this game. 
and I would not be surprised if he he has more of a role against the Bills. But I think Winovich just he's lost the coach's trust, and he does he does a lot of not a lot. I don't want to say a lot because that that's not the correct adjective. But he 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 um he screws up from time to time, and they're usually pretty big screw ups. He loses his mind. He did that in this game as well, where he's just like there was a swing pass. And uh, from a guy in motion, and it's like, all right, well, if Rob Ninkovich was out there, Ninkovich just would have stuck with the guy, the the swing pass, and that option would have been taken away, and Garoppolo yeah. would have been screwed. Yep, and what does Winovich do? He's in yep. no man's land, and then he starts rushing Jimmy, and that yep. pass is wide open, and they get like 25 yards. Yep. That kind of stuff Winovich does every single game, and I think the Patriots coaches just got sick of it because one thing they do not stand for is mental mistakes on the edge in their defense because that's really where the whole defense is predicated. Yeah, I remember that play. And if there's anything that Belichick's going to especially want right now is disciplined play, especially from that defense that we saw on Sunday, which wasn't nearly good enough. That is Greg Bedard. I am Nick Cattles. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Uh, that's our thoughts. Those are our thoughts on the San Francisco mess, the disaster, the dumpster fire that we saw on Sunday. Uh, coming up next, later on in the week, of course, we'll have our preview of the Bills, Patriots, and what I think Bills is a must mafia. win. Yeah, the Bills Mafia. This is uh, <laughs> a must win, I think, coming up this weekend. We'll talk, oh, about yeah. it. we'll talk about it later on in the week, Greg and I. Until then, everybody be safe, be good.